0: Hey guys, welcome to Two Feet from the Soapbox, a weekly conversation with us, Judith and Justin Sweeney, co-founders of the oil-based cosmetics company, Bubbles and Bombs.
1: In this series, we explore the origin, purpose, and use of our oil-based cosmetics, recording each episode right here in our production studio in New Brunswick, Canada.
0: We also explore wellness beyond the bar, digging into our life behind the scenes as entrepreneurs, parents, and wellness practitioners with a history of mental health challenges.
1: We are really glad you're here and we're looking forward to sharing another conversation.
0: So Justin, another week, this is episode nine?
1: Episode nine in the Genesis series, yes, episode nine. Okay. And yeah, so do we want to start maybe with a little recap on where we left off in episode eight?
0: I think I did last week, do you want to do this week?
1: I would be happy to, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the Tag, last <laughs> you're it. <laughs> So in the last episode, we were talking a little bit about our early formulation days and, you know, how a lot of custom work with our community helped to shape the catalog, especially in early days. And so it was a lot of community members coming in and and kind of sharing their needs and sharing their desires and, you know, kind of discussing what their sensitive skincare routine is missing. And we would do our best to kind of fill that need. And yeah. it, it was, uh, yeah, it was a very iterative process. And it was really a lot of give and take with the community. And it was great that, you know, that give and take from the community. We also talked about this in the last episode, that that really helped to support us through kind of the the mental health challenges that came with, you know, being in a new province and putting opening yourself up the business out there. Exactly. Putting yourself out there it can be very nerve-wracking right Mm -hmm. it's it's scary you're vulnerable and so yeah that reception and and support really helped to develop the company in those early days
0: i think too like the amount that they showed vulnerability to us too with trusting us with their skincare and you know talking with us in depth about the issues that they may be having i think is like that was so valuable From a formulating standpoint and just a human standpoint, that connection and that openness allowed us to be connected and open as well. right? Mm -hmm. And it was a very good give and take that we were able to work with them to find something truly unique to their skin type.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that we noticed, too, was in a lot of those situations, our values really kind of lined up as well with the the community members that were coming in. And so I think this episode, that's what we'll do. We'll explore our values and explore how those values really, how your values can be represented in the products that you use each day. They can be represented in what you do. They can be represented in the work that you do. And we always... Uh, incorporated the values and and incorporated specific values in in our decision-making, right? And So we're going to explore four of them, right? Our four values.
0: Our four values.
1: Do you want to review them? Yeah,
0: (laughs) sure. So we're going to be talking about what raw and natural, what zero waste, what cruelty-free, and what handcrafted in NB means to Justin and I. And these aren't just values that we hold within our business, but these are values that We hold within ourselves, too. And I think that's why we are so passionate about these values, because it's not just a marketing tactic. It's what we believe in and what we feel is the best for our sensitive skin, for our children's sensitive skin and for the environment around us. Yeah.
1: So raw and natural mm-hmm. is, I mean, that that's really kind of if we were to summarize our product philosophy, our ingredient standard, if we were to really pull that down to two words, raw and natural, I think, would summarize it really well. And that is your space. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about how raw and natural came to be a value and how it guides us in our business?
0: I mentioned this before in one of the earlier podcasts, but once I found natural products my skin automatically did a happy dance i found that i was getting the vitamins and the minerals and the nutrients out of that that beautiful raw plant and you could feel the life that went into it and the the care that went into it and it wasn't just slapped into a vat and you know mixed around it was really nurtured from the time that it started to grow from the ground to when it was harvested to when it was you know hand processed and oil pulled and then the packaging and the shipping and all has because these are natural ingredients and they don't have preservatives in them they have a natural preservative system that can be very delicate these materials are held so carefully during the transit and during production that it just, you really feel that specialness with those raw natural ingredients.
1: So how did that shape some of your decisions, right? You make a lot of the decisions when it comes to formulating, Mm -hmm. you know, an ingredient so when we start considering new ingredients, typically you're the one that's that's kind of bringing the new ingredients in for inspection, so to speak, <laughs> for experimentation. So how do you use that? How does that guide you?
0: Over the last year, it's funny that you asked me that, because over the last year, I've really been thinking about the formulation process and the miles that these ingredients have to travel to make it to our production studios. So I haven't been looking to add more ingredients, I've been looking to repurpose the ingredients that we already have, because we have a lot of really beautiful ingredients already on our shelves that we're using for a vast variety of oil-based cosmetics and you can make so many things from just three materials that you know the with the amount that we currently have in stock with the you know the different essential oils that we carry with the shea butter, mango butter, coconut oil I'm pretty sure I could live off those three butters for the rest of my life like they're just beautiful and gorgeous and there's so many applications that When we bring something in, if we do bring something in, I want to know the process and the steps that it went through to make it to us. I also want to know that the people who are harvesting it are, you know, it's fair trade and it's not an endangered plant like sandalwood. Mm. We don't bring in sandalwood anymore because of the endangerment of the plant species. There's a certain type of frankincense that's also endangered that we don't bring in. We bring in a a different variant that is easier to grow from India. So I, I really look at that, but it's funny because we think about marketing just as it relates to you know, the brands, but there's also marketing for the ingredients that me as a formulator have to weave through. So there was, for example, not that long ago, I brought in something called Takuma butter Mm. and I was like, oh, this sounds so nice. I'm seeing it all the time. I want to bring some in and test it out. And it was one of those things that it was just a small little container and added a cart, which I know I shouldn't do that. But I was really curious because I've heard a lot of people talk about it. It. well, we brought it in and I unfortunately had an allergic reaction to it, which was totally like it was just a one of those things that just happens. I do have very sensitive skin. So, you know, you can still be allergic to natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. But I did a little bit more research when that happened because I don't often with the ingredients that we carry have those types of reactions and come to find out it was Takuma palm. Which I don't know about our listeners, but a lot of individuals who have shopped with us have talked about palm and the devastation it's caused in the rainforests yeah. and things like that. So it's just, I've got to be careful for the marketing tactics around that because they weren't saying that it was POM. They're calling it by its first name so that you would overlook the POM.
1: Yeah, that's uh, an interesting interesting piece to look at right like the way that uh, individual ingredients can be played up in some of the marketing and and so i am very thankful that we have you to <laughs> oversee the raw and natural piece and
0: uh, you've been the the spearheader for our zero waste movement we've both struggle with seeing things go to waste so do you want to talk a little bit about next value uh so we're going from raw and natural to our zero waste value yeah
1: because zero waste really came in after raw and natural right so i mean it's 2015-16 the the lines being formulated at that time the focus was purely on formulation and ingredients and green
0: beauty really hadn't taken off yet
1: no i mean we were looking at different ways that we could start incorporating less waste into what we were doing right because Mm -hmm. when we first came in i think we were even packaging bath bombs in you know cellophane bags and things like that so there was a, a a significant amount of packaging but we were kind of under the impression when we first started that you had to right you had to do that to keep the product safe it was only with time that we came to realize that really you can have a, a very safe, very well presented product, you know, that that is going to have a great user experience without having to, you know, plastic wrap it or seal it in with plastic. And so the zero waste piece for us has been very incremental. It started by removing those plastic bags from the bath bombs and getting that down to a, a paper wrap and then looking at the paper and saying okay well can we get post-consumer paper okay well yeah we can do that and then it was looking at the glue and saying okay well can we get a, a recyclable friendly glue that can then go on the wrap so that way the wrap can easily just go into the recycling and so that way the community our community that's using the products can you know quickly and easily dispose of the the packaging we were more challenged when it came to you know the jars and the tubes right we wanted so desperately to you know convert and go plastic free at the time we were living in a part of canada and we still live in a part of canada where cosmetic glass recycling just wasn't available. Uh so you know the manufacturers, the suppliers, distributors for the majority of the packaging that was available if you were looking for something sustainable you were pushed towards glass. And
0: And we did try glass.
1: We tried glass and we tried uh, a little bit of a refillery and yeah so we tried uh, some of those but we kept track of you know how much glass was going out, how much was coming back in, how much of it was refills and we just recognized that you know a lot of material was going out and was still you know, being used once or maybe twice, uh, really wasn't getting the circularity that we were hoping for, and so it really kicked off a, a multi-year search for a solution that we could knowingly, we could produce and we could put it out, and it could you could live anywhere in Canada, and you would be able to use this product and comfortably and easily dispose of the product. And, and we wanted to be able to do that. Our children were just being born. You know, we had removed plastics from soaps, bath bombs, the solid bubble bath. We had reduced our bath salt jars down into, uh, you know, flat pack bags, which I can't even remember Reduce, the amount of savings. Like in yeah, space and, and transportation. Shipping. And so, I mean, we had done a lot of those things and we were still using plastic jars, because at least they were recyclable and and recyclable where we were selling the majority of our products. So that was when zero waste really pushed us towards, you know, paperboard packaging across the line right so moving from just doing paper wraps to you know sourcing a a paperboard jar uh, something that could be recycled if it was unsoiled so we wanted something that could be recycled we wanted something that could also be compostable if it was soiled and we wanted to know that you know if it ended up anywhere because i think of like you know, the comedic situation of when we moved into the, our home and the brook in the backyard and we walked out and there was, you know, the shampoo bottle that was stuck in the the sand, right, on the the side of the brook. And we didn't ever want to see that happen. We, we were appalled with the idea of, you know, our name, our logo, our work being found 100 years from now, you know, next to a waterway. And so that's, you know, zero waste has uh, become you know, exceptionally important and and permeates throughout all the aspects we do. I mean, even now with the, the shipping boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Fitted shipping boxes, no tape. There's a lot of things that can be done that way.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And so back on ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. So we have raw natural, we have zero waste, we have cruelty-free. And so cruelty-free and beauty, I mean, especially when we were first starting to produce products, 2014, 15, and 16, there was a lot of commentary. There was a lot of questions. Most people who were shopping were starting to become more aware. Uh, So maybe you can give us a little bit about, you know, cruelty-free, how that relates to to our products and our ingredients and our formulas.
0: Absolutely. So you're not going to find a whole lot of smaller beauty brands that aren't cruelty-free at this point, because due to the long history of unfortunate animal testing, all the ingredients that we use have been used for thousands of years. So at one point or another, they were at some point tested on animals. Shea butter was surely put on, but this would be... Way back when, and I don't think they would do it as a form to like test it on the animal. I think it was purely from a base of like, oh, my camel is, you know, has a sore foot, I'm going to put some shea butter on it Mm. type of thing. It was very much from a loving, healing standpoint. A lot of these ingredients, then you get on down the road, and there are definitely some sadder stories, but the majority of animal testing actually happens with larger corporations who want to sell specifically into China because China has a law and it is being changed that any cosmetic that is sold in China needs to be tested on animals mm-hmm. so we're really happy that that is actually changing as of next year I believe I'd have to double check on that but I do know that they were petitioning that's not for all cosmetics but a large amount of cosmetics will no longer have to be tested on animals, which is a huge win. We're also vegetarian, which I think is a really important factor. I know that there's a lot of companies who are vegan or vegetarian, but their founders aren't. And I find that strange just because I think that if you're holding that value for your products, why aren't you holding that value for yourself? Mm-hmm. So I really, being cruelty-free and having a vegetarian lime was really important in that aspect. And even the the ingredients that wouldn't be considered vegan, like our beeswax and our goat's milk, we know the farmers, we know the harvesters, we know that the goats are so loved. And one of them actually just had a little baby and she is so sweet. Sweet. And you know we bring the kids there and they get to pet the goats and you know feed them treats and and watch them play and yeah. it's just it's beautiful to to watch and then uh, yeah we barter our soap for for goat's milk and it's it's a really nice trade off you know a day on the farm get some goat snuggles and. It so is. Yeah. Cruelty free was uh, it was a no brainer. And we actually we became leaping bunny certified just last year and we were able to get it backdated to when we opened in two thousand fourteen because that has been something that I will I, I will never use lard in our soaps. I will never use animal fats in our products. It's I like cows. I, I don't mm-hmm. eat cows. I, I think that I, I would like a pet cow maybe someday. <laughs>
1: And I think that would be a great topic for another episode and another series, right? Is looking at, so, you know, what products, what ingredients that are commonly found in a lot of cosmetics are animal byproducts. Mm. Uh, And so I think a lot of people would jump to animal products, things like, you know, a a bee's wax or a a goat's melt. But really, I think a lot of the times when we're looking at avoiding animal byproducts, it's leaning away from byproducts that are part of the animal Mm -hmm. agriculture Industry, Mm. right? And so we can definitely talk about that in another episode as well, because I think it's a an interesting topic that we could probably get lost in for a little while.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now we do make all of our products right here in our production studio in Lower Norton. Do you want to talk a little bit about handcrafted and NB?
1: Yeah. So I mean, uh, the made by hand value, right? So you know, raw, natural, zero waste, cruelty free and made by hand you know the importance there was i think at least twofold for us one was recognizing that valuable work done with your hands can be very rewarding very calming very grounding it's it's you can lose yourself in that. And, you know, I think especially as it relates to some of the mental health challenges that, you know, we and members of our team have experienced at different points in time, having that work and having work that is, you know, tactile and aromatic and, you know, that you can lose yourself in it has been exceptionally valuable. It's been valuable as you know part of our maintenance strategy for maintaining positive mental health and you know it's helped others with gaining confidence i know uh, certainly some of the people that you know we've kind of taught along the way or, or brought up along the way have you know gained a lot of confidence with the products and and you know basically developing their skills and Mm. their abilities. So uh, yeah, that part of course was very important for us. And the other was, you know, just a familiarity and an awareness and an intimacy that comes with, you know, being that close to the ingredients and the manufacturing process. You know, it was important to us that we, you know, look to create valuable employment as we continue to grow. And uh, so we wanted our operating processes to very much reflect that and to, you know, reflect people. And we create, you know, products that are intended for people with sensitive skin. We want them to be coming from people who understand that, who have families with uh, sensitive skin, who, you know, can relate to the community that we're trying to serve. And, you know, there's a little bit more love and passion, I think, that goes into each product when, when they're made that way. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how those four values have influenced so much of what we've done over the last six years. And the way that, you know, Bubbles and Bombs has kind of developed from a, a small collection of soaps and basalts that were on a farmer's market table to, a you know, a, a complete catalog of oil-based cosmetics that are backed by science and research that really, you know, make daily care easier for families with multiple sensitivities in the oil. So, yeah, that's...
0: I That's think.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think too. We strive for transparency, so we wanted our values for the business to be true and aligned with our own. Yes. On a on a personal level too. And I think when you're looking at brands and you know the products you buy, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more brands put their line in the stand and say, this is who we stand for because this is who we are. And mm-hmm. I think that is really beautiful.
1: I think there's more of an expectation for that as well. I think uh, consumers are looking for that, right? We're all looking for that. We, we want to know, we want to ensure that our money is going to go somewhere that it's going to create positivity the way that we hope it does. Mm-hmm. Right. And so before we uh, yeah, start to wrap up let's do our question of the week
0: absolutely so right. justin what is the best album you never expected to love
1: yeah moana soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. I uh, For those who
0: don't know who Moana is. Yeah,
1: that's a good point as well. So, Moana is a Disney movie that came out maybe 3 years ago, 2018ish, 2019. I'm probably wrong. I never I don't even think I've watched the whole movie, but Kira our daughter of course loves the movie, loves the soundtrack. And, yeah, so, you know, we're there, of course, when we're driving her in in the morning and it's time to go in and it's time to drop her off at daycare. And so, you know, what music would she want to listen to on the way? Of course, it's the Moana soundtrack. I mean, it's it's like all children. It's absolutely obsessed with one noise, one movie, one album for months. Right. And then never watch it again so uh, yeah with the Moana soundtrack and I I've caught myself multiple times just leaving it on after she's out of the car because i I literally Disney soundtracks I think are uh like some of the most inspirational music you just feel like you're going to accomplish things and do good stuff yeah you know what I mean yeah. like by the time I'm done listening to that and Jermaine Clements is on there as well and so yeah. he was uh a, a musician that I'm a big fan of, right? Yeah. So that that kind of tickled me when I although I catch
0: you singing uh, the rocks. You're welcome,
1: Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that part's like, good as well. Me, yeah, yeah. And how about yourself?
0: I was gonna say Frank Sinatra because, like, I just I love me a good Frank, but <laughs> I really enjoy Baby Acoustics, which is a playlist on Spotify, and I played it while I was pregnant with Jack to kind of get him to stop kicking my bladder so violently. Mm. It didn't work, Uh, he still kicked it violently. But (laughs) I play it when I have a migraine or if I just need to not think for a couple minutes and it's just, it's very peaceful, it's like all songs done, like regular 90s songs redone as baby songs with like cute little acoustics and xylophones and it's just i really enjoy it
1: it's good right (laughs) it's i mean absolutely having that uh you know without vocals something in the background great background music yeah Yeah. sounds peaceful
0: awesome so (laughs) that wraps up episode nine nine thank you guys for joining us on two feet from the soapbox and taking part in this leg of our journey we would love to hear from the quiet thoughtful voices out there as well as the loud and boisterous ones so regardless of your style please be mindful of others and we will respond to all of your comments and questions
1: you can always find a link to our podcast in the footer of our website at bubblesandbombs.ca. We ask that whatever platform you're on today, be sure to review and follow along so you can catch each episode as it's released. And if you liked what you heard today, be sure to uh, yeah, share it forward and help us spread our message of positivity for anyone with sensitive skin, sensitive
0: Take good care and be well, guys.
1: Take care, guys.